We're here. Finally. <laughs> God, fucking damn. It took us a while. It, yeah. It took it's been a, a struggle, struggle y'all. Like, I want y'all to know how much we really want to do this because it's been, what, two weeks now of just yeah. headaches and heartaches? Yeah. We've already out. recorded two episodes that we probably can't use. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. probably post them on like a Patreon or something later as well yeah. as content for y'all. Yeah. See where the struggle really started, but yeah. we can't give that to y'all at the first episode. Right. We're, we're learning with y'all, so, right. so work with us. We're at the beginning of this, right? Well, we're doing our best, though. We're having some fun. Yeah, yeah. This is the fun. This is the fun part. So we're having yeah, fun. Yeah, now, now we're having fun. It's it's like, as of fun. as of thirty seconds ago, we're having right. Fun. It's before right. you hit that record button that it's a little stressful. Yeah, so, so yeah, welcome to the. Third, first episode <laughs> of I Ain't a Killer podcast. Yes, yes. you better accentuate that ain't. I know, right? Because right. I was like on the on the trailer, I was like, "Ain't a killer, <laughs> right?" We're, we are not killers. We are not killers. <laughs> We're not. Everybody's like, killers. "I am the killer." No, really? and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, we ain't killers that talk about killers. <laughs> I feel like some people get it off rip, but. That is inspired by the Tupac song. Yeah. yeah. It's called Hail What is it called? I can't Hail say Mary. it apparently. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. So look it up if you haven't heard it. We can't sing it because copyrights, but you know. Right. But you get it. You look at it. You get it. Right. <laughs> anyway, my name's Carter. Say what? My name is Carter. Oh, it is Carter. <laughs> you got a name? Yeah, I do have a name. Uh, my name. My name is Eloa. My name's Aaron. And we're your three hosts. Yep. I thought you said we were three hoes. I was like, wait. (laughs) No, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to get serious. I'm stop. I'm stop. (laughs) That that would be me. I would not talk about my friends that way without consent and permission. (laughs) We're the host and the investigators. Yes. Hosts and lead investigators of I Ain't a Killer Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be talking about true crime. We'll be talking about stuff that's going on currently Mm -hmm. and highly unusual cases. We might talk about some of the famous ones. Yeah. Every now and again, but <laughs> for the m- most part, we'll be discussing things that kind of get overlooked. Yeah. And, you know, some of the stuff that you don't usually hear on true crime podcasts. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking mm-hmm. about it from our perspective, which is a little different than the the popular true crime podcasts out there, or some of them. Yeah. We're going to um, join the short list of black true crime podcasters. Some of us are just doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. We love that. We love balance. Yeah. No, it's all love over here though. Yeah. Definitely. Actually, while we were doing um the legwork for this podcast, I did find a couple other uh black podcasters that I want to start listening to to add yeah. to my rotation. One specifically um on TikTok is called Sisters Who Kill. It oh, features yeah. specifically black women. Who have committed true crimes. Oh, cool. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm going to add that to my list, too. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we want to do what brought us to true crime? What, what's piqued our interests? Yeah. Let's yeah. do that. Um, I was going to say, who want to go first? You can. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I always used to watch, uh, like, Snapped and ID Discovery and stuff with my auntie. You know, all that stuff is, like, in constant rotation when you're around older black women, which is, like... 
I think that we need to have that conversation one day. How older yeah. black women love true crime? Like, what, yes. what is that? But like in a different way. Well, but it's like a different. Yeah, yeah. It's like a different. They don't get into it, but they love having it in the background while they cooking, right. folding laundry. Yeah. Is that our audience? Do I need to send this to my auntie? Like, <laughs> what up, auntie? What up, granny? But I didn't actually start getting into the details of certain cases, especially when it comes to like cults and like serial killers and stuff like that. Until I got access to, you know, like, streaming platforms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, like, Twitter. Um, I think I found a... I think I found a thread on Twitter, actually. And it was, like, 150 serial killers that you didn't know about or whatever. And I didn't even pay attention to the number. I just kept rolling through the thread until I finished. And then when I finished, I was like, yo, I got a problem. Like, <laughs> I literally said that to myself. And I kept it to myself because I didn't want nobody to know. I was, like, up reading about shit like that. But it's fascinating. Yeah. It's not necessarily, like, even glamorizing, like, how other folks mm-hmm. might, like, perceive it. It's just, like, the human condition going that far to mm-hmm. do some shit like that is ridiculous. Right. And it's just something I, I could never see myself being capable of. So, like, why do people do these things? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. definitely. I also I, think that's it's I got into it. interesting to, like, sit with like, some of the things we know, like, societally that harm people, like capitalism and the patriarchy mm-hmm. and white supremacy and, like, mm-hmm. how those things allow for these other extreme acts to happen. Right. And, like, not yeah. only in our day-to-day, but also in these outrageous mm-hmm. occurrences right. that are rare, but really not that rare. They're yeah. not, because there's a wealth of cases out there <laughs> for us to break down for you all. Yeah, going all forward. over the world, too. It's yeah. not even just, like... Something that happens in the U.S. It's right. like happens yeah. everywhere. I do think it's interesting, though, because, like, you know how we use Murderpedia as one of our resources? Mm-hmm. Or at least I do, anyway. Mm-hmm. And they have it broken down by country. And, like, some countries have much higher numbers than others, the U.S. being one of them. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think Australia has pretty high numbers. At least, you know, people listed on that website. And then there's some countries that have, like, two or none. And I'm like... What are y'all doing right? <laughs> right, right. Send us the playlist because, out. bitch. That's right. I'm here. <laughs> I also wonder if it got something to do with like the highest white people population too. Like, because you said Australia and the US. I was like, okay, that's we two for two. There's got to be some with, like European colonies. I mean, white supremacy is definitely a root for a lot of violence. So yeah, for that sure. doesn't surprise me at all. And I'm fascinated. Sure. So. Me too. Um, my history with true crime started with similarly. Like, my mother will always have on America's Most Wanted. I'll be up watching it while we're at the laundromat or whatever. <clears throat> giving myself nightmares. I'm not giving myself nightmares because nobody still told her to have that on. But, <laughs> um, you know, the, as a kid, at first it was like, why do you watch this? But it was always on. And then I started to become intrigued and got interested. Mm-hmm. And I was also interested in, like, horror novels and stuff like that. And, like, spooky spooky things and then I ended up in therapy at 13 because I was so anxious about being kidnapped um, <laughs> so my therapist told me to stop watching the news but you know once I got a, a hold on that uh, I came back around the true crime and started watching the usual like snaps and mm-hmm. unsolved mysteries and stuff like that even though I don't particularly care for unsolved things because the anxiety's still there <laughs> and still real but yeah yeah. Yeah. I'd say mine is pretty similar as well. Like Law and Order SVU. I feel like a lot of people used to binge watch that um, or still do. It's probably still on TV at the moment. Um, <laughs> There's a marathon on right now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> they can jump the shark though. Like that shit, like they get to the point where like niggas is like hypnosing bitches. Like, hit, right. like it's, hypnotizing it's bitches. It's a little, it's done left. I miss yeah. Stabler. Even though I feel like he has, I think he has his own spinoff now and they do some crossovers. So, Did Blue Stabler? 
Dick with a Stipe movie, the, the partner? He has yeah. I, have no oh, I, know that. I don't watch that show. Oh, you know, okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so I stopped watching that a while ago, but um, I also got into true crime podcasts, true crime documentaries, docuseries, and all of that. Um, unlike Carter, I don't like scary things, which is a weird, you know, like, why am I hosting a true crime podcast? But I don't know. I guess my brain can, like, distinguish between, like, <laughs> watching true crime and watching a scary movie. I don't know what it is, but either way. I'm obsessed with it, and that's all I listen to in the car, and I'm excited to be a part of this. Yay, me too. Yay. Yeah, this is going to be fun. It's going to be great. I think so. Yes. Have a good time. We're, we're working out the kinks. Yeah. We're getting there. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode right now, we have worked out at least enough kinks to actually make something. Yes. And that's a good Thank start. God. Hopefully it's easy. How is? <laughs> We've been so excited about this podcast, but... You only be excited for so long. Right. Before right. it's like, okay, look, bitch, I'm trying to, like, get something done. Like, right. Like, the microphones aren't working, the computers aren't working, the hookups aren't working. Like, right. what? We're ready to talk. We're ready to talk to y'all. It just wasn't working for us, but I think we got it. Yeah, definitely. I think we got it. We, we got, got it. it. All right. <laughs> I had to say, I'm sorry. All right. And yeah. moving on up next is current and crime. Boom. All right. Okay. So this week in current and crime, I am going to read an article. From a tip that Aaron sent me, <laughs> there is nothing funny about this story Sorry. except for the fact. That, no, 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 I was just gonna say except for the fact that like people really, really believe like in their whole heart. Like, there's nothing wrong with believing in conspiracy theory. Like, mm-hmm. I have my speculations about things like Tupac still being alive. That doesn't really harm anybody. But when yeah. it gets to this point, it's a problem. One hundred percent. So I'm reading an article from NPR. Um, it was written by Joe Hernandez. And the title is, A California Father Claims QAnon Conspiracy Led Him to Kill His Two Children, FBI mm-hmm. Says. Goodness gracious. Right. Oh, is this the one with the... Okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk. It's, it's bizarre. So, I'm just going to go ahead and read it word for word. A California father took his two young children to Mexico and killed them with a spear fishing gun after he claimed he had been enlightened by QAnon and Illuminati conspiracy theories, federal authorities say. Whoa, hold on. Right, a spear or what? Wait, what? A fish? A spear fishing gun? And what I want to go ahead and uh, I forgot to do content warning. So yes, death of children, child abuse, QAnon, right wing conservative ideals. Yeah, and we'll put all the content warnings in the um, description as well. Yeah, moving forward. But okay, you said a, a spear fishing gun. Yeah, so I didn't Google it, but I assumed it was one of those like. Uh, automatic things that you can put like a big arrow on or a mm-hmm. big spear to like shoot fish basically which seems OD in that's general. so much like <laughs> wow I'm sure it has its place in the world of fishing but uh, yeah that's like a lot okay. yeah it's like one OD because you killed your children but then like you took a whaling gun like they, I think they'd use those for huge whaling yeah for huge fish and you yeah, took yes. that to some children Okay. Yeah. So according to a criminal complaint filed in federal court in California, Matthew Taylor Coleman reportedly told investigators he had been, quote, receiving visions and signs revealing that his wife possessed serpent DNA and had passed it on to his children, end quote, and that by killing them, he was, quote, saving the world from monsters. 
Oh, I'm literally covering my eyes right now. Yeah. Yikes. It's a, it's quite quite a wild um, conspiracy. QAnon is a conspiracy popu- conspiracy popular among some of the far right that claims democratic politicians operate a cabal that kidnaps and tortures children using their blood in satanic rituals. It wasn't the first time authorities responded to a crime based on a conspiracy theory that originated on the internet. Whoa. Right? That's... <laughs> I have so much to say about this. Right. Is like, is this the best article for the podcast? Because we're all like shocked and can't even talk about it. Like, we're, I'm speechless. We're supposed to talk about it. I don't have nothing to say. I can just finish reading it and then we can discuss at the end. Yeah, yeah let's, don't let's do that. that. In 2016, Ed- Edgar Madison Welch entered a Washington, D.C. pizzeria and fired a rifle into a door, claiming he was investigating the debunked Pizzagate rumor. I remember this. Oh, that yeah. conspiracy theory claimed that the Comet Ping Pong restaurant was a hub of a satanic child sex abuse rate mm. associated with top democratic politicians. Walsh was later sentenced to four years in prison. Um, Coleman Forty was first reported missing by his wife, identified in the complaint as AC on Saturday. She was unable to reach him by phone after he left in the family's van with their two children, a two-year-old boy and a 10-month-old girl. Aww. I know, they were so young. Um, the next day, at the suggestion of the police, AC used the Find My iPhone app to track Coleman's last known location to an open-air shopping center in Rosarito in the Mexican state of Baja, California. When Coleman arrived Monday at the U.S. border crossing in San... I don't know how to pronounce this. Sidro, possibly? Uh, Without his children, law enforcement officers took him into custody. Earlier that morning, Mexican authorities had discovered the bodies of two children with puncture wounds in their chests. Mm. Coleman apparently told investigators he knew that killing his children was wrong, but said it was the only course of action that would save the world. Oh my gosh. Mexican officials also recovered the weapon, bloody clothes, and a baby's blanket, authorities said. Coleman has been charged with the foreign murder of U.S. nationals. Whoa. Right. It's just so interesting to me how impressionable the human mind is like it's capable of these amazing things right like people can do and invent and create just astounding things uh-huh. and then also six months on the dark web or a QAnon or whatever chat room can have you killing your children because you think they're lizards which also i think doesn't that belief have roots in anti-semitism it has anti-semitic roots um because i People being um, like the lizard people that owned everything, like it's a whole like conspiracy. Mm. And even if you look at like our cartoons when we were younger, it's mostly birds. That the whole lizard thing is a real thing, but like people being secret lizards or people being birds because of the their the shapes of a lot of you know the stereotypical Jewish nose. Mm. You'll see that in like uh, even if you look at like the Smurfs, right? Mm. Like the I think the villains called Rothgar or like something like that or like Rothberg or something mm-hmm. and he, his like nose is huge name. And, you know stuff like that not saying that that's like the same thing as lizards but it, it has some of those like same roots yeah and so it seeps into because of white supremacy it seeps into our like folklore and then of course into our conspiracy theories too wow. and so it's really fucking weird but no I was just gonna like I was just gonna say like how you said like how impressionable the mind is but like even more so for people with power who don't believe that people who are further from power suffer. Mm. Like, so how, like, the most of the people who I hear about being, like, attached to conspiracy theories are, like, the, like, white people or, like, cishet men or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they go down these rabbit holes and they're like, 
oh, everybody's secret lizards and they're sacrificing children in these secret rituals. Instead of just believing that there's a whole system based off of capitalism, Mm -hmm. it takes advantage of who is the best target. Boom. Like, it's so hard for them to believe that. Oh, you're saying, like, they can believe this ridiculous thing, but they can't believe something that's right in front of them. They can't believe racism. Right. Oh, like, all lives matter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, uh, we have a secret president that's about to be, like, reinstated on, in March, in April, in May. You know what I mean? Like, y'all really believe this shit. And it's just, like, it's wild to me that they can believe that, but, like, not what's really going on right, right. that's so, true that like is not structural racism yeah the lizard people yes right of course enough to do this heinous act yeah this terrible terrible thing uh, i wonder like what was the lead up to this because mm-hmm. i'm like was this was the dad like doing this research in private having all these thoughts and then all of a sudden one day exploded and then did this or was this something like leading you know what I mean because I feel like people who believe these wild ass conspiracy theories it takes over their life Mm -hmm. and their conversations and everything people can't even stand to be around them anymore right so I'm like what was that what was it like for the mother and like how what was the lead up to this like the killing the murders I don't know it's just how do you get to a point where your own children are the enemy but, I mean, I remember reading a story where, you know, people or other stories where people are in fights with their adult children or teenage age children, children who can have a dissenting opinion. And mm-hmm. that makes sense. But, like, these two innocent babies, like, yes. how do you know oh. your kid specifically had serpent DNA? And what led you to believe that the world was going to be in peril if you didn't do this? A right. 10-month-old. Right. Oh. A baby baby. And then um, it's because they thought that the mother had serpent DNA too. And had passed it on to the kids. So I'm curious as to, I mean, not that I would want anybody else to be killed, but I'm curious as to why that wasn't also yeah. someone that he targeted. But yeah. also, why the mother? Like, why not him? Who? She probably <laughs> just didn't agree with his conspiracies. Yeah. And that was enough proof for him or something to believe that she had to be the quote unquote enemy. Yeah. And of course, he would never have serpent DNA. Right. Because he's on the right side. Right. Right. It's so wild for me to think that at this day and age, people are still acting like this, thinking like this, believing things like that. Like, it's just so wild. But I guess if on the internet you can find anything, so Mm -hmm. you can find hundreds of articles that say people have serpent serpent blood. Yeah. That's like the downside of the internet. You can find anything. Yeah. Okay, great. But you can literally find Fine, anything. anything. Yeah. And yeah. going down these rabbit holes is so easy for people because a lot of the people who fall victim to stuff like that don't have access to information. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have access to science and somebody debunking things for them. and Or have isolated themselves. Right. So they don't have other people that are like, no, that's not really what it is. Right, right. And the methods of these people that run these conspiracy theory platforms or whatever the case may be whatever you want to call it like use such insidious like methods it's like the same kind of like methodology of like a cult right mm-hmm. i guess they could it is a cult cults. yeah, yeah. i feel them. like it yeah i yeah. don't know what we we should look up like what okay. constitutes a cult but i'm pretty sure yeah yeah i mean if it, it escalates to the point that you're killing your children because of something someone else said that feels pretty cult like yeah very yeah, very cult <laughs> all right well that is what's current in crime for this week if there are any updates in the story we'll be sure to share them with you in the future yeah but sending our love to the uh the mother of those kids and 
for those kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, babies. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're back. We're back. We in this thing. <laughs> um, so this week, our lead investigator will be Erin. Yay, that's me. <laughs> I'll let her introduce her story for us, along with its content warnings for you all, to make an informed decision about whether or not you can handle this episode. All right, y'all. We'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge c- us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Ballastone, a.k.a. The Drag Queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess. And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch. While we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy. And cunty. With us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the Tell my in full drag, and we'll see you on the big. Cu- oh wait, I thought we were gonna say that together. No, on the big c- couch. Mwah. So thank you for that introduction, Carter. <laughs> hey everyone, it's Erin. Um, today we're gonna be talking about the tale of two brothers, Stephen and Carrie Stainer. Um, it also goes by another name, but I'll um, say that at the end. So content warnings, we have sexual assault, rape, abduction, and physical assault. So if any of those make you feel uncomfortable and make you not want to listen to this episode, we understand. Just catch us next time and um, we'll see you there. So I will go ahead and get started. Um, The Stainer family is made up of two brothers, three sisters, and their parents, Kay and Delbert Stainer. They lived in a secluded farming house, um, uh, I'm sorry, a secluded farming town called Merced, California, which was surrounded by almond groves and peach or- orchards. I was like, dang, that's beautiful. <laughs> right. <laughs> the story that's isn't, but that sounds nice. Um, <laughs> it is very close to Yo- Yosemite National Park. Um, Yosemite? <laughs> I've never said it out loud. No, it's okay. It's like how do you thing say where, like, you learn a word by reading it. Yeah, how do Yosemite. you say it? Yosemite? Yeah. Is that really what it is? Yes. Wow. Like Yosemite Sam? I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Somebody okay. did the same thing yesterday, so I mean of course they're not known to the audience, so I'm not gonna say their name out loud, but I am pretty sure I can guess what it is. Wow. Okay, well thank you for telling me in the beginning. No one make fun of me. Yosemite. Okay, I got it. Um Carrie's the older of the two brothers and he looked out for Steven, who's the younger brother. They hung out a lot, they played a lot. And friends of the brothers remember Carrie as a nice and kind, quiet person. And they would Carrie's the younger one? No, Carrie's the older one. Okay. Steven's the younger one. So they would typically spend their days riding bikes and hanging out with friends or skateboarding, just, you know, normal kid stuff. So when the boys were still in elementary school, a man named Kenneth Parnell entered the picture. Parnell worked at Yosemite. (laughs) It sounds wrong. Um, so Parnell worked at Yosemite Lodge, which was about two hours away from the Stainer family home. Um, Parnell befriended a co-worker named Irvin Murphy, and Irvin would assist him in a vile act that would shake this family forever. So on December 4th, 1972, on a cold, sleet, tea, they said sleety in the article, but there was sleet, um, <laughs> wintry day, Stephen Stainer, who was seven years old at the time, was walking home from school. 
and Parnell and Murphy, his co-worker, were driving into town. They lured Stephen into their vehicle and abducted him. Mm-hmm. And apparently Kenneth Parnell had stopped the car and pretended to make a call at a payphone. And he came back and told Stephen that he had spoke with his parents and that they didn't want him anymore. Oh, which made God. me so sad. I was like, the poor baby. Oh. And you know he believed it too. Right. He He's seven. And, seven yeah. I mean, yeah. So when Stephen didn't come home from school, his pan- his parents freaked out and they sounded the alarm. And the Merced Police Department mounted a large effort to search for Stephen, but they weren't able to find anything. So a childhood friend of Carrie, who's Stephen's older brother, um, said in an interview in 1999 that Carrie was really upset. And um, the friend even heard stories about him going out and wishing on a star that his brother would come oh home. God, that's so sad. I know, it was horrible. Um, Carrie also felt some responsibility for his brother's kidnapping. And I'll get into that in a second. But just a little background on... Um, Carrie and the family's history. So Carrie, who's the oldest of the five children, um, they all had a traumatic childhood um, that involved sexual abuse. And according to a psychiatrist, the Sainer family tree was um, had mental illness and sexual abuse going back for five generations. Wow, generational trauma. It's horrible. Um, Stainer's father was ordered into therapy for molesting his own daughters. And one of Stainer's sisters said that Carrie started peeing on her and inappropriately inappropriately touching her when she was 10. So not only was the father sexually abusing the um, sisters and the brothers, Carrie, the oldest brother, was also um, inappropriately sexually touching um, his sisters. So Carrie was also found spying on his sisters and their neighbor, hiding under their beds and secretly videotaping them. What? And he eventually... Wasn't this the 70s? Did he have, like, a full-blown video camera? Yeah, but you can't Like, the whole ordeal. Yeah. Wow. Um, Carrie eventually told a psychiatrist that he worried that obsessive thoughts he had about holding the neighbor girl against her will somehow caused Stephen to be kidnapped. So that's why he was worried that he had a part in it, because he had these fantasies about their neighbor. So going back to Kenneth Parnell, who had just, who had abducted Stephen, um, they traveled around California for years, and he even... Years? For- mm-hmm. Years. He even forced Stephen to call him dad. No. Right. Absolutely the fuck not. Um, he was like a father figure to him during the day, and I put that in quotes, father figure, and he um, sexually assaulted and raped him by night. Disgusting. Um, Stephen was told that he had a new name, Dennis Parnell, and he was even enrolled in school, where he actually flourished. Um, Lori Duke, who dated Stephen, and she knew him as Dennis, during um, school, she said that he had a great personality, he was spunky, you could see that he wanted to play and be with kids and be normal. So while Stephen... And he went by Dennis, but we'll say Stephen to not make it confusing. But while he was a freshman at Mendocino, Sino, I'm sorry, I don't know what it is. But at that high school, his brother Carrie was an upperclassman at Merced High School about 300 miles north. So Carrie was always known as the kid whose brother was kidnapped. But apparently he was a really good cartoonist and he was voted most creative at school. He was always remembered as wearing a hat, and um, it was later found out it was because he was compulsively pulling his hair out. Mm. Um, He started to exhibit some behaviors that people around him made him uncomfortable outside of the home, because obviously he was already exhibiting behaviors as a child, but he later admitted that he had exposed himself to his sister's friend. Oh. 
Yeah, gross. And a reporter who covered the story said that it seemed as though he had a compulsion with trying to get close to women or be sexual with them, but he was unable to develop any sort of interpersonal relationships with any women. So the contrast between the two brothers at the, at the time was really different. Like on one hand, Stephen, who had been abducted, was living with this person who was raping him, sexually assaulting him, was actually like thriving in his outside life at school. He had a girlfriend. He was happy. He was doing like normal kid things. And then Carrie, who was left at home, who also um, went through sexual trauma, but he was the one who was becoming like this loner. He didn't have any interest in other people. Other people didn't have interest in him. He was kind of just going like in the opposite direction as his brother. So like an old school incel. Yeah. Yeah. So by the time Stephen turned 14, who was the child that had been abducted, he had been abused and manipulated by Kenneth Parnell for seven years. And at some point... What happened to the other guy, the co-worker? Did he not stay with their little... Yeah, Irvin. No, he just helped abduct him and then went about his own thing. So at some point, both Parnell and Stephen realized that Stephen was growing up and he no longer could be controlled by Parnell. So Parnell wanted another kid that he could sexually assault. Wow. That's horrible. But I've, like, just by watching true crime a lot, it's pretty typical. Yeah. Like, once they get old enough, it's like, they age out, Mm kind of. Yeah, Yeah. and they want to, like, fill in with a younger person. Oh, wow. Um, So in February of 1980, which was eight years after Kenneth Parnell abducted Stephen Stainer, Parnell decided to capture a new younger boy. And Parnell paid a local kid to ride with him to the small town of Ukiah, California. I don't know if that's right, but... We don't either. Okay. He then put this, um, per- this kid who was in high school on the street and told him to find a boy. And he found five-year-old Timothy White, who was walking home from school. So Parnell abducted Timothy White. And for two weeks, Stephen watched Timothy suffer the separation from his family and all of the other things. And he decided to take matter into his own hands. Um, His girlfriend at the time later told reporters that he had told her that he wasn't going to let that child go through what he had been through. And if he didn't take care of it now, then it would only get worse. Imagine going through all of that and still being that empathetic. Right, right. Yeah. He had to have, like, a huge heart. He put, yeah. probably would have been, like, a amazing person had that not happened. 100%. Yeah. Especially having been in that situation for seven years, right. away from your family, being, like, manipulated, told your name was something different, all right. that stuff. Yeah. So on March 1st, 1980, Stephen waited until Parnell was at work, and he fled with Timothy. And he would carry Timothy when he was too tired to walk. And eventually they were able to hitchhike to Ukiah, California. Unfortunately, because Timothy was a baby, he couldn't remember where he lived, so Stephen took him to the police station. And not only did Stephen explain to the police what happened to himself, he also explained what happened to Timothy, and he told him that his real name wasn't Stephen. And the exact words he said were, I know my first name is Stephen, and that would later become the title of a book and a television movie about his story. Wow. So he was a hero, and he returned to Merced triumphant, and within days he was on the television circuit. Because he had been missing for however long, and he also saved this child and himself. So on Good Morning America in March of 1980, he said that his parents didn't really change that much, but his brothers and sisters had changed a lot. It had been seven years, or eight years. Um, And at a press conference outside the Stainer home, there's a picture, and you can see everyone is smiling, but in the background, Carrie Stainer 
in his baseball cap, wasn't smiling at all. <clears throat> and I also have this picture, so we can post it on our socials. Most definitely. But I can already kind of... I can already kind of picture it, especially with that, like, mm-hmm. 70s kind of mm-hmm. look to it. Yeah. That's so, that's so creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. He's just in the background of everyone, and he's just straight face. Oh, my God. This kind of reminds me of that, um, this is not really related at all, but the news coverage of the Elisa Lamb case when, like, her parents and her sister were there. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. thought that they're, like, I mean... Obviously, you can't predict how anybody's going to behave under extreme stress and trauma and mm-hmm. trying circumstances. But, like, their energy always seemed really off to me in that clip. So I imagine that the picture has the same kind of vibe to it. Right. So Carrie had a really strange relationship with Stephen after he came home. And Stephen was receiving a lot of attention. And he was way different than he was before he had been abducted. And um, even though they were four years apart, they shared a room. They didn't really get along a lot. And um, Stephen was having a hard time understanding the rules that he was now expected to live by. So a few years later, during uh, another interview with Good Morning America in 1983, Stephen said that his first year back was kind of hectic. And that for seven years, he was basically an only child. And now he had to compete with a brother and three sisters. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that he said compete. Yeah. Because um, to have to, like, compete for attention and things. And then um, it seems that Carrie also had this similar, like, competition vibe when it came to his siblings. Because when Steven first came back, was getting all this attention and stuff, and Carrie wasn't. It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, Steven was also struggling in high school where he was bullied for the abuse he had endured. And what his... kids? Are... Yeah, kids are fucking terrible. The what? Worst. Can you imagine? What you're... <clears throat> oh my! I got. I can't even form words right now. I just cannot imagine being an adult in that situation. And like, okay, please explain it to me in a way that I can understand. You're bullying him because he was abused. Yeah. What? Kids are the make worst. Sense? But if you think about it, though, like, okay, yeah, kids are fucking terrible, and yeah, it doesn't make sense. But the way that like the culture of like bullying and mm-hmm. like like roasting in a negative way not roasting in a positive way with your friends yeah but like how people get roasted for letting things happen to them yeah. especially with yeah, you being a true. boy yeah like yeah. even because i mean if this is nowhere along the line the same you know vein of what happened but do y'all remember when um like B2K, uh, what's his name? Lil Fizz. Oh my god, no, yeah. Rasby. Yeah, Rasby. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Rasby, he came out and he said that, you know, he, he was being abused for years, like yeah. ever since he was like a preteen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when Looking Boy came out, it was like, no, Chris, no, Chris, no. Like basically making fun of him for being molested. Abused, right? yeah. And everybody, you know, niggas, we was kids, like everybody, like, oh, you know, but right. then you look at the lyrics and you're like, wait. This nigga really made fun of him for being abused. And so I could kind of see yeah. them doing this. Like kids being the same thing. Oh, nigga, yeah. you let that shit happen to you. Da, 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 whatever, you know. It's like just super a, another up. reminder that the patriarchy literally harms everyone. But that yeah. was disgusting. Most definitely. Yeah. And um, in addition to the bullying, his sexually was constant, sexuality was constantly under attack. Like you said. Of course. Um, so in addition to his struggles to adjusting at home and school, he still had to face Parnell in court. Oh my God, no, that's terrible. That is terrible. So Kenneth Parnell was convicted on kidnapping and false imprisonment charges, and he was sentenced to seven years in prison, but only served five. What? Which was less time than he held Stephen captive. What the, that's all literally about to Isn't say. that fucked up? He held him for seven years, but you get a discount? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, that's... Yeah. 
Please, I know these people white. These, I know. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I know these people white. As well. I wait. Hold up. He got he got seven mm-hmm. certified, but this was this for kidnapping Stephen and Timothy. Mm-hmm. Oh no. That's that's no. So he <laughs> was out. And what was out? that makes sense? Also, that couldn't. I, that couldn't be like I couldn't be his parent because no. oh y'all letting him out cool I'm gonna pull up yes, I'm gonna like, pull up yeah and I'm going to jail so you might as well just give me the time that he's about to get because right. bitch, like I'm, I'm just yeah, save cool. yourself a trial go ahead and add it together because I'm gonna go ahead and take care of this since y'all don't want to do shit mm-hmm. and I'll be back I guess to turn myself in because this is some bullshit yeah it's fucked up and on that vein I didn't do uh, I didn't put it in my research because the research is already super long but we know that their father was fucked up their mm-hmm. mom was also terrible she yeah. didn't sexually abuse them but she was she didn't have a relationship with them no type of emotional bond anything yes um these poor children i mean I know they didn't have a chance like all. some of these parents they do not have a fucking chance um so there was a lot of outrage about the sentence just like we have and um everyone knew that he was basically just gonna go back out and do what he did before which he did predictable and after he got out he found someone else to find him another boy luckily he was caught and sent to prison again and he ended up dying in prison in 2008 good so while steven was grappling with all of his own struggles his brother carrie was out of high school dealing with his own shit so here we go with carrie (laughs) Um, so after high school, Carrie Stainer was lost. He didn't really know what he was doing. I mean, I feel like a lot of people go through that in high school. Carrie was a whole nother level. So he, he took refuge in Yosemite (laughs) where he would drive up and he would get lost in nature. He, it was said that he liked to get naked and smoke pot and, um, that's chill. Yeah. I'd rather do that than to be out here, you know. Um, he would find peace from the demons that were in his head. So around the same time, Stephen Stainer's fame was short-lived. Um, he grew up and he got married and he had two kids. So we're kind of finishing out Stephen's story. Okay. Um, so he got married. He had two kids. He, his wife, Jody Stainer, said that Stephen was proud of who he was. And he was very grounded for someone who had gone through so much. Um, the miniseries about his story was released in May 23rd of 1989, but tragically, four months later, Stephen was killed in a motorcycle accident Aww. at the age of 24. No! Yeah. And his children, um, Ashley and Stephen Jr. were just three and two at the time. Oh, that is awful. so he sad. He survived all of that just to, to just die to tragically like that. Yeah, it's horrifying. So like I said, um, Carrie is lost. He's finding refuge at Yosemite um, Park. And after Stephen's death, an uncle who Carrie was really close to, he actually lived with him, um, was shot and killed in his home. So Carrie's going through it. Yeah. And um, she's struggling. He's bouncing from one handyman job to another. He had some nervous breakdowns and apparently was susceptible, susceptible to fits of rage. In one day in 1995, he freaked out and bloodied his fist by pounding it on a sheet of plywood. So a friend of Carrie said that Carrie told him that he felt like jumping in a truck, driving through the shop that he worked at, killing the boss, killing everybody in the office, then torching the place. Oh, no. So that's where his mind was. Yeah. Um, The friend told him he needed to go to the doctor. But he didn't go to the doctor. He just continued to spend time at Yosemite um, Park. 
Carrie would later tell the FBI that he had started imagining killing women and girls when he was just six or seven years old. So he had been having these horrible thoughts for almost his entire life. That's really Yeah. And, it, and then it's it, like six and seven. Was he already being abused by then? Mm-hmm. And his mom didn't even do any. And his mom didn't do anything. Well, his it, it's interesting because, like, he tells the psychiatrist a little while after this, um, there had been abuse in their family for however many years, five years, I think, and the abuse actually came from the mother's point of view, from the mother's side of the family. Her father had sexually abused her as a child, yes. and she always said that she wasn't going to allow that to happen to her children. But here comes her husband. And he's sexually abusing her children. And I guess she kind of just fell back into this vulnerable state where she didn't feel like she could do anything about it. Mm. So it was kind of like an unspoken thing. That's awful. That is awful. It's always so interesting to me how how some people are attracted to... Like, literally the same circumstances that they endured as a child. Like, not purposefully, but... No, they say like with the attachment um, styles and things like that, that you're attracted to people who have the same kind of makeup as like your your parents, Mm -hmm. which is weird to think about. But it also makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. it's tragic in circumstances like these or something that extreme is involved. Right. Definitely. uh, Those poor kids. So in 1997, um, Carrie got a job as a handyman at Cedar Lodge, which was seven miles from the gate of um, Yosemite Park, and his job gave him access to the park. So Stainer had been at Cedar Lodge for about two years when Carol Sund, who was 42, her teenage daughter Julie, who was 15, and her friend Sylvania Peloso, who was 16, came to stay one night in February of 1999 at the lodge. So that night, Carrie talked his way into their room under the guise of fixing a leak. Um, He had been laid off for the winter season, but the guests didn't know that. Um, So that night, Carrie talked his way into their room under the guise of fixing a leak. Um, He had actually been laid off for the winter season, but the guests didn't know that, and they let him in. He then pulled out a pistol, claiming he intended, intended to rob them. He bound and duct taped the trio. Then he herded Julie and Sylvania into a bathroom while he choked Carol to death. Oh my God. He then strangled Sylvania and he spent the next few hours sexually assaulting Julie. Jeff Rennick, who who was the FBI agent handling the case at the time, said that the search for these women was the largest ever mounted in Yosemite at the time. It took several weeks for the bodies of the three women to be discovered. And the bodies of Carol and Sylvania were found in their rental car a a month later, about 50 miles away. And they were alerted by an an anonymous letter that Carrie said he wrote, Um, which they didn't say that he did write. They said that Carrie said that he wrote this letter. So take with that what you will. I just don't understand what would be the motive to claim to have done something like that if you didn't do it, but... He probably just wanted to claim, like, power over the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you only caught me because I wanted to be caught. Ooh, yeah. Kind of situation. Which is really fucked up. Yeah. Um, they found Julie's decomposed body near Don Pedro res- Reservoir, which, um, overlook, I'm sorry, and her throat was slashed. Thanks. <clears throat> um, the authorities interviewed him for this but they said they saw no red flags what they believed that he was a clean-cut handyman and had no history of violence so he wasn't involved did they not 
even scratch the surface, like, with this investigation? No. Instead, they um, focused on other employees at the lodge and on suspicious persons in the town of Modesto, where Carol's son's wallet had been found several days after her disappearance. What the fuck? So they were like, oh, no, you're not. You're not. So they didn't even question, like, where he was at the time and why he was there, even though he had been laid off for the winter season? Mm Mm-mm. But also, even just, like, a couple interviews of someone who knew him previously, would you would find out, oh, I've had these fantasies of wanting to kill women since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been abused my whole life. Mm-hmm. My brother and my uncle just died. I'm having a really hard time. Like, yeah. And then also, just even Googling his brother, like, just a brief family history, he would have been the top search. Hey, his brother was sexually right, abused Googled in it. the home. Wait, what year was it? Um, didn't you say, like, 99 or something? What year was what? I'm sorry. This this incident. Or 1989 or something. Um, I'm like, if they had access to Google and fucked up this badly, then wow. 1999. Yeah, they 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 did right. I mean, yeah, minimum they, they can. Minimum, I mean, they, 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 they can look in newspapers. and newspapers, especially in the area. That existed. I was just about to say, ask Jeeves. That was there. That was a resource that they failed to utilize. If I can find the full cast of Harry Potter and read about their lives, bitch. You could, right. <laughs> right. In 1999, you could definitely find this shit. Like, y'all are killing me. Yeah. So five months went by without another killing in the community, and everybody kind of calmed down. The FBI announced that they believed they had the murderers in custody, which they didn't. <laughs> so on <laughs> July 21st, 1999, Stainer saw Joey Armstrong, who was a 26-year-old naturalist at Yosemite, and she taught children about nature in the park. Mm. Um, something changed in him and he wanted to kill her again. I think the reason why the article I got that from was because he had not done anything for five months. And once he saw her, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, I have to do this again. Mm-hmm. She kind of triggered that. So her friends reported her missing and the police found signs of a struggle at her cabin. So about a half a mile away from her cabin, they found her body and the head, which had been removed was found a few feet away in the water. What the actual fuck? Yeah. The FBI quickly related the two cases to one another. Stainer left a lot of evidence in and around her cottage, but the police initially started looking out for him because his vehicle had been seen near her place and they thought he could be a witness to the crime. <laughs> I'm so sick I'm of this. Like, yeah. well, sorry. I'm sorry. So <laughs> <sick of them. laughs> to be a fucking a white man. That's your first go-to, like, oh, a witness. A witness. Oh, we you just think so high that you can't possibly person. be a suspect. And it's also someone who they had interviewed for the other murders. Come that should be the first like a common denominator between like two murders. Now I'm just associating your face with these circumstances. Maybe I should ask you a few more questions. Right. Exactly. No. <laughs> uh, not hey, buddy. Uh, did you happen to see anything the day this woman was brutally fucking <laughs> murdered? <laughs> they talk like that the second time. <laughs> If you are a nigga and you get investigated during two separate shootouts, bitch, you did it. Like, right. You go, you go 100%. And we're you wouldn't have even made it to the second one. You are detained. You wouldn't have even made it. Oh, you made two suspects. Like, we're going to keep you in traffic court. Right. <laughs> we fucking figure it out. Suspect your license. So the FBI agents eventually caught up to Carrie at a nudist colony where he had fled to after murdering Joey Armstrong. He was brought into questioning and eventually confessed to murdering her. Which I think goes along with what you said, Eloa. A lot of people that confess to their murders want to have like the be like the notoriety of it, or want to have control over 
the situation as far as like, yes, I did it. I'm telling you rather than you figuring it out, yeah. which goes. Which they were never gonna figure it out. If no, they can't even they figure it out. Is. a suspect. They definitely not gonna. So he confessed, thank God, because they would have never got there. And the FBI agent said that he described the brutal, brutal killing as if he was reading a soup label. Oh my God. So soon after he confessed to murdering, soon after he confessed to this murder, he confessed to murdering Carol Sund, Julie Sund, and Sylvania Peloso. And Carrie told an investigator, I want you to get a hold of some producers in LA. I want a movie of the week made about my story. And he wanted the same treatment as his brother. Oh, wow. Basically. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So Carrie Stainer was convicted in all four murders and sentenced to death in 2002. He's now 59 years old and he remains on death row in San Quentin State Prison. Sean Flynn, who was a reporter that um, investigated his case, said that, as far as I know, he's never talked to anybody about the effect that Stephen might have had on his crimes. I'm not sure there is any direct cause and effect. Stephen could have grown up normally, ha- normal, happy, and healthy, and Carrie still would have been a serial killer. Yeah, he just wouldn't have been able to say, I want a show just like my brother. Mm-hmm. Which not- is like, nigga, go be an actor. <laughs> this well, case was so wild to me. Just, I mean, not only the juxtaposition of these two stories, but of how, like, I don't know if I believe what this reporter is saying that there isn't a direct cause and effect, maybe not a direct cause and effect, but there is something that happened to Carrie Mm -hmm. when Steven came back and got all of that attention, got the TV show, all of this, Mm -hmm. where he wanted that in his mind already being tainted and he's already struggling with these thoughts. That is where he went with it. Like, oh, I need to do this in order to obtain that same notoriety that my brother got. Yeah. Which is sick. Yeah, and also that he was able because you remember they said he had like compulsory relationships with women, or he like had like compulsory behavior when it came to women mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that Stephen was able to go through the same thing that he went through, come out normal and have normal relationships with people, have a wife and kids and stuff like that. So him enacting this violence on women because could he not like not see himself connecting to women otherwise? Yeah, that's why I said it was giving me old school incel because, like, that is the same logic that they use to justify their hatred towards women or violence towards women if it gets to that point. But it's like, I'm sure there was a ton of jealousy on Carrie's behalf, like, Mm -hmm. not even just the notoriety, but I'm sure even, like, when Stephen was talking about his experiences on TV and, you know, sharing that he was doing well in high school despite all this and, like, I don't know, played sports and had a girlfriend and, like, you know, just was doing well i hate to and use that like word a likable yeah person that people wanted to be yeah. around and interact with and carrie has just been sitting there throughout these years one feeling guilty but also still just being the loner and the weirdo mm-hmm. you know in a bad way because you can be a weirdo in a great way but mm-hmm. in a bad way yeah i'm sure he i'm sure he had all kinds of wild feelings that he couldn't unpack yeah, he right. definitely should have, taken, should have taken his friend's advice and went to the doctor. Yeah, most yes. definitely. She's she a real one. She said, nigga, bad. Um, you need to go talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. like yesterday. They all need their I wonder money. about the sisters and like how their lives turned out. Yeah, I, I looked probably like four or five articles on this just to make sure that all the details were there. They didn't speak about the sisters. The most that they did was talking about how the father and Carrie abused them. 
Um, but I didn't see any more information. I know there are a few podcasts that have covered this story, so maybe they have a little more detail. Yeah. And um, if we can find that, we'll link the podcast in the notes. But I didn't see anything about the sisters. The story is so sad. Yeah, if I was them, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have nothing to do with I would change my name and yeah. try oh, to yeah. move the fuck on. But I'm um, also curious about mm-hmm. the first victims. You said her name was Carol Sun, like S-U-N or S-O-N? S-U-N-D. S-U-N-D. Because the way it sounded, I was Sorry, like, are they, are, is she Asian? Or? Not that it has anything to do with, yeah, like, why? I wonder what, like, where that last name comes from. Because it seems to me, and this might be because I'm just completely misinformed about, like, you know, who these men choose as their victims. But it seems to me that, like, incels, whenever they have, like, a fixation on women, it's always this very particular type. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever men express that they can't get access to women, it's always, like, this very much, like, white supremacist idea of what is beautiful. It's always, like, the blondes. It's always the white girls. It's always the skinny girls. It's always the cis girls. You know, stuff like that. I never hear about people complaining that they don't have access to women who are bigger. Yeah. Or women who are trans or, you know, things like that. And I just think that's so interesting because it's like, if you're that desperate to have access to somebody, why would you X out millions of people? Right. Why would you X out most people? Because most people don't even look but like that. They're fixated on attaining what they believe they deserve. And they believe that they deserve these incredibly, quote unquote, beautiful women, these unattainable mm-hmm. women, these the women best, that, quote unquote, right, women. exactly, like the top tier woman however they define that mm-hmm. and i think that what you're saying makes perfect sense to me because that is what they believe like they truly resent and will become violent because they don't have access to what they think they deserve which is the quote-unquote best mm-hmm. you know so you know i yeah that makes sense to me um, it's so shitty because it's like y- y- y'all are of course white women or just like thin women in general or anybody who's closer to power is like the number two in society or whatever as compared to like i don't know black bitches being like the number 30 or whatever but y'all are setting these women up to be commodified and in setting them up to be commodified you're setting them up to be like the center of this violence like you said like people who think that they deserve like the best and things like that i just think that's such a oh it's so (laughs) It's so scary to me. Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness. It's wild. Yeah. And I can't imagine, like, thinking like that. That's why stuff like this is so fascinating to me. I can't, like, imagine thinking that I have, I deserve access to niggas. Like, right. I don't care. If nobody ever said they wanted to fuck me, I'd be like, damn. Okay. Right. <laughs> so much to the point where you do this. Right. Right. I'm like. Like, up into violently murdering someone. Facts. It's gross. Yeah, no. So, um, Carrie is known as the Yosemite Park Killer. Mm. And he's almost always, well, he has his own stories, but the two brothers are almost always spoke about together. Yeah. Um, I think the juxtaposition of the stories is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So that's probably, probably why they do that. It's really sad that Steven died. I would be interested in hearing more about his perspective i want to check out the book but I, I would like to hear about how his perspective changed as he got older like mm-hmm. around his abuse and his relationship with his brother and all of that uh, and, and how he was able to maintain the relationship 
with an intimate relationship with somebody, a sexual yeah. relationship with somebody. Throughout all of it. Throughout all of it. And had kids. And right. had to maintain a relationship with them. Poor kid. Wow. So that's the story, y'all. Steven and Carrie Stainer. That's a great story. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll put all of the articles that I used to do my research and anything else we can find in the show notes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, do we want to end the episode? Yeah, just make sure you um, give us a follow on all of our platforms uh, at Kello Podcast on Instagram, same for Facebook, and at Pod on Twitter. Um, you can listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Those are the main ones, but we're everywhere. Anywhere yeah. you can listen to a podcast, you'll find us there. So Gang-gang. subscribe, follow, give us a listen, a download. Give us a like. A give like. us a review. Share it with a friend. Please give us a review. How, how does my voice sound? I'd, I'd like to know that. Yes, give us <laughs> a review. I'm looking for specifically. <laughs> you and Ella sound the same. We're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was going to have to get used to our voices and be able to distinguish them on your own. I can't change it. I will squeak. Well, thank y'all for joining. Yes, see y'all next week. See ya. Bye. Peace.